Yeah, what do you do, you know? Um, when the moon hits your eye like a bigger pizza pie, that's... Remember Jurakovic? When the world seems to shine like you've had too much wine, that's some old... Remember Jurakovic? Bells will ring, tingle-ling-a-ling, tingle-ling-a-ling, and you'll sing the... If last night wasn't a memet, I don't know what was. We haven't played that music all season, but it seemed appropriate. This is for Vuck's sake, the Melbourne Victory Fan Show. And today we unpick the anatomy of a complete disaster in a semi-final against our arch rivals. I don't want to be here for the next hour, but you guys can cheer us up by calling in and venting your frustrations on 03 9999 That's 9999 I'll leave that number in the Facebook Live comments as well. And uh, the best caller, most frustrated Vuck fan will win themselves a six-pack of delicious bicycle beer from Temple Brewing. Rudy's running late. He'll be joining us in a few minutes. But, uh, buds, the man of the people, there's no one I want to hear for from more than you right now. Look, I got a lot of messages during the year asking why the Mehmet's gone, why the reformatting of the show, where's the music, play Mehmet, who's Mehmet. People offer Mehmet's up to me all uh, all the time in my uh, in my DMs. Um. Historically, this episode, which would be the last one of the year, would be um, where we will, we would crown Mehmet of the Year. So today we get to do two in one. We have our first Mehmet in a very, very long time, even the season, and we get to crown Mehmet of the Year. And it is the whole Melbourne Victory senior uh, squad that took the field last night because um, this... Um, Darkest day business has been thrown around a bit in the last couple of years, but that was the darkest day in the history of Melbourne Victory Football Club last night. I woke up upset. (laughs) (laughs) Hadn't got over it. Oh, my God. It was the worst. I think the tone was set from the time that um, Lawrence Thomas decided that he didn't really want to be there. And then he was followed on by about four or five others within the squad that... uh, Basically, just plain old gave up. I've seen us get trounced. Um, Kevin Muskets had quite a few five nils uh, to his name as a manager. Um, I remember there was two in a row where we got done on Australia Day by Sydney FC uh, at the uh, Marvel Stadium. And then the following week, we got done five nil by Wellington. Um, We haven't played that bad since then. And that was 2013, 14 season, I believe. And it's been five years since we've played that bad. And unfortunately, our players gave up and it's just, it's not good enough. It's disgraceful. Um, he got out coached again. There was no plan from the outset. Uh, the formation was a bit of a shambles. The defense was a shambles. And look, it was insipid week and... Um, I think his future is probably a talking point. And I'd like all the fans, everyone listening now, to call up on double nine double four double nine double nine and tell us how you're feeling because it's really hard for us to sit here, I think, to talk. And and there are no superlatives. There are no positives. You, you try to find positives out of a performance. There's nothing. There's nothing positive out of that. And we got a lot of flack for even asking for votes after the game, but so kind of enjoyed the responses. Yeah, I, I said to you guys in the group chat that uh, we're going to cancel it tonight, and it was uh, what usually happens. Is, no, 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 we'll, we'll, the integrity of the competition comes first, and I agreed with that, yes. But I said no one's going to vote, and my wife and I spent about 20 minutes just laughing at some of the responses. We can't read them all out on air because there are broadcasting standards <laughs> to adhere to, um, but the, <laughs> there were some really funny ones, and... Uh, as predicted, not too many people voted. Yeah, I don't know if you can pull quorum on a on a three two one vote. We do have the numbers. Uh, I don't know if any of these guys. Maybe it's it's a token gesture. Maybe it reflects the season a little bit better, given that uh, Ola picked up the three and, mm-hmm. and now is well. I'm spoiler warning, but he's uh, tied for top spot. So. I I th- I think that it's it's very difficult to come to really put this in perspective at all this this performance but it really makes you question what the season was about as a whole how good this team really was was it really propelled by a few star quality individuals and there wasn't much substance to back it up or was it 
simply just an off night at the worst possible time? I think uh, the season on a whole has been unbalanced. I think the squad's been unbalanced. I think injuries have... Uh, have we got a caller? Yeah, we do. Oh, let's go. Let's All go. right. So calling in is Vicky from Melbourne. Vicky, thanks for being our first caller on this uh, semi-final post-mortem. You're on the air. Uh, g'day, gents. How are we? Hey, how are you, Vicky? Um, uh, are very uh, on suicide watch. We actually, <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> we actually, my daughter and I drove to the game, um, left straight after the game, and I've got to tell you, I've never walked out on a Vuck game. After the fifth goal, my daughter and I looked at each other so that we could get back to Melbourne. We had to be back to Melbourne by uh, 8 o'clock in the morning. We just looked at each other and it's like, we're done. We're out of here. The, the, the limp performance was, um, was really frustrating because we got whooped 4-0 in the ACL. But I've got to say, the young kids showed something. They were just outclassed, right? But they still put everything on the pitch. Whereas um, after the portent of the first goal, it, it, we didn't really rise muster, did we? No, not at all. And... I know. I totally agree with you. We, we, we've seen Kevin Musket get out coach before. We've seen the team lose heavily to, you know, higher quality opposition. But I don't know if, ever, if we've ever seen them give up in that fashion. And it was really quite difficult to watch. Uh, it was pretty. Uh, and then to, to the temerity to actually be there and hear the Sydney fans jeer us. I think uh, it would have been... It was pretty bad, Jess. It would have been better to be home because then you, you're cushioned against the jeering at that level. But, yeah, look, disappointed, um, especially to all the other to all the other Vuck fans who also, you know, who regularly make trips interstate. For me, this was my third interstate trip to go see the Vuck. And, yeah, to have that served up is just... Uh, yeah, really bad and disappointing. It doesn't get much worse. Um, heart goes out to you and uh, you and your daughter are much braver souls than uh, I am or we are because uh, none of us travelled up. And I have been on two, I have been on one of those uh, road trips. I did a double uh, one year where we did Brisbane on the New Year's Eve and then it was actually last of Mehmet Durakovic's games against uh, Central Coast <laughs> a couple of days later where basically yep. you had you had – the Central Coast players walking walking the ball into goal, and it's uh, it's really bad when the team don't turn up and you do. So, um, yep. well, well done. Um, did uh, any players stand out for you that looked like they'd given up? Because I've got a couple in my mind that I think um, had mentally checked out of the game. Uh, was was it obvious to you guys there? I think, in fairness, um, Brox had just a shocker, and you know what, players can have an off day. Um, Thomas had an ordinary game. He did a couple of good saves, but he had an ordinary game. But the rest, really, except for Antonis and Ula, but Ula could only do what he gets served from the midfield. The rest, oh, Niedermeyer did some saves. But, yeah, we, no, it was a really ordinary, yeah, they looked like they checked out. Like they, they just mentally... They might have physically turned up, but they didn't really emotionally and mentally turn up for the game. Well, Vicky, thank you but, so much for calling in. I, I completely agree. Right. If it's any consolation, those of us, uh, you know, safe and warm at home had to listen to Robbie Slater. So, you know, it's <laughs> weighing up and, you know, yeah, I'm not sure that, who that, how it was, but yeah, you guys. <laughs> don't don't blame you one bit for leaving early. I've only left one Vuck game early. That was the 5-0 hammering by Sydney on Australia Day when I think Seb Ryle yeah. scored, and that was a bit too much for mm. me. But uh, don't yeah. blame you at all, especially given the kickoff time. Well done you for going up there and supporting the team and and, you yeah. know, the fans deserve better. We've had a few people in the comments saying that Victory should offer to reimburse people who made the away trip. I can't disagree, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, well, I'm sure they're, the, the players themselves are probably devastated too. At least you'd hope so. Well, Vicky, stay on the line. I'm going to get our producer to take your details and we'll let you know later if you've uh, won the six-pack of uh, delicious uh, bicycle beer from Temple Brewing for your call. Fantastic. Thanks, Vicky. Safe travels home. Yeah, we've actually got another caller on the line, buds. The phone lines are lining up. Reese is calling in. Reese, you're on the air? Yeah, mate. How you doing? Big Reese, what's happening, pal? 
Oh, man, I'm in Sydney wishing I wasn't. Um, just don't know where to start. Last night was an absolute shambles. Mm. Yeah, look, um, you made the away trip, I'm assuming. Uh, did you stay until the final whistle? Yeah, we were there till the end. I think it was disappointing to see the players after the game as well. Um, there was just there was nothing from there was nothing in the tank to start with. But even to see him interacting with us after the game, there was there was just no care. Like they just you could tell that at halftime they went in, they dropped their heads, and they never lifted again. Um, I think the question has to be asked now of, of Muskie and what's going on because you look at the, the changes bringing on Kenny when he did. Um, when Carl was stood there, his last game, fair enough, but we weren't losing the game up front. We were losing the game from a defensive and a midfield perspective, and we, and we brought in a striker. Um, I think, you know, at this point, it was about saving face more so than actually winning the game, but instead he brought on Kenny to try and... I, I honestly I don't even know what he's trying to do about bringing Kenny on. The bloke's been absolutely inept since his tea, sort of, this season in general. He's not done a lot for us. We keep persisting and bringing him in points where we need to change either defensively or in the midfield and bring on an attacker that will do that. And last night showed and, and we were embarrassed. It was, it was embarrassing. Um, and yeah, it just makes you question the direction of the club from here on. Yeah, Reese, I completely agree with you. And I do think questions have to be asked as to Musket's future. I mean, we'll get into that later in the program, but, you know, it, was, it wasn't pretty. I think it's very difficult to justify and obviously he took responsibility in the post-match, but, you know, he wasn't giving much away to the media. He was obviously steaming and would have given the players, you know, quite the hairdryer treatment. But whether we need a different voice to try and motivate these guys after, what, six years of Kevin Musket screaming at them in the changing rooms, I think that's a, a very good question. You know, I just don't know what's going to change there. If we, like, mm. we keep the players we've got, we get a new manager. Is he going to do anything? I don't think so. I think there's a lot of dead weight hanging around at the moment, and it starts with the license. You know, joining him. and Kenny's been, he's, you know, a, a personality on social media and whatnot and around the ground. But I think we need more depth on the bench as it stands. And you know, Carl was standing there waving his arms at the bench, you know, 55, 60 minutes in, asking questions of why he wasn't on. And I think it just shows where Musket's head was at. Even he dropped his head as much as the players did throughout the second half. They didn't go into the sheds at halftime and and come out like we've seen them left in the past. They went, in, they went in the sheds with their heads down, they came out and down and it just didn't turn around. And it's just, I don't know, I think I had no expectations going into the game. I actually said to the boys that I'm with, you know, I just don't want to see us get rinsed. I don't think we're going to win, but I just don't want to see us get rinsed. And then when that goal went into the third minute, I'm just thankful that beer's only $6.50 in Sydney. And, uh, it made it a lot easier. Well, Reese, thank you so much for calling in again. Please stay on the line and uh, our producer will take down your details. Appreciate um, you going away to support the boys. Again, the fans deserve better than this. And uh, again, thanks for listening to FES and thanks for calling in. Thanks, Reese. Yeah, and we'll, we'll, the Facebook Live viewers will have noticed that our uh, tidy friend Rudy Etzel has joined us in the studio. Rudy couldn't couldn't quite bear to, to face the Mehmet Djurakovic theme music as we started oh. the show. Just thought I'd pay the podcast as much respect as the players paid the game on <laughs> Sunday. No, I was, I was just stuck out in the, the green wedge. I went to visit my mum today because it was Mother's Day yesterday and she's just had her last chemo session. So Ooh, there um, you go. Yeah, all the best to you, mum. Hope she's all right. Yeah. But uh, let's get your thoughts on the game last night. Obviously, we've covered the main points. Yeah. but <laughs> There's not much I can say that uh, you boys didn't. Um, probably, no, definitely the worst performance I've ever seen from a Melbourne Victory team, given the context of it being a final against Sydney. Um, I just there's so many there's so many bad performances that you almost don't like. There's almost <laughs> they're too many to name. Really, everyone was 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 pretty bad. Like Ulla put in a shift and Antonis put in a shift, but then other than that, like when you've got Lawrence Thomas dropping a like a pretty simple corner in the first couple of minutes, that you you know you're in a bit of strife there, but. Six one is they just they just like you said, buds. They gave up. I've never seen them give up. Shipped ten goals in a week. Shipped ten goals in a week. Whoa. It's it's not good. Oh, um, did did it highlight? Now, there's one maligned player who's earning a marquee wage in our side, who I I rate, and his name's James Troisi. Did his absence highlight? how good he is in giving us some direction and shape in attacking positions because I know he wasn't there the week before, but I think, uh, you know, playing at home against Wellington's a bit of a different beast too. Um, and I, I don't know what happened during the week, but 
some something just went wrong within the four walls of the club because no one was motivated to play. I think um, James Choisi really gets a bad rap, and I think his absence was felt in those big games too. Um, apart from that, I don't I, I don't have anything, nothing. That's why I threw it to Twitter last night. It was just like, tell me how you're feeling, and boy, did they come. Oh, we'll discuss that in a moment. We've got another caller, <laughs> Matt yep, from Yarra Glen, on the line. G'day, guys. How are you? Matt, how's it going, mate? Uh, <laughs> flat as a pancake, flat as a tack. Um, probably, probably even flatter than that. Probably a crepe is about the shape <laughs> of me right now. Um, <laughs> boys, uh, I was lucky enough not to go, but unfortunately I couldn't go last night. Um my father and I have been members since day dot. We love the club. It's not a matter of life and death. It's far more important than that. Mm-hmm. And our first hour at work this morning was just, it was silence with a few uh, a few thoughts thrown into the mix. And oh, I've never felt like this, to be honest. And um, I just, I, I want to go back to the, the start of the, the football calendar and season proper for us this year. Um, an unconvincing performance in Perth to scrape by in the first week of the FFA Cup. Mm-hmm. And the next week, we failed to show. We went out like we were too big for our boots and we were embarrassed by APL Icart. But I took the thought out of that game that, you know what, like the majority, ah, it's FFA Cup, it's FFA Cup, stay positive. I have to admit that at times this year, I've struggled to stay positive given who we brought in i.e. Toivonen, i.e. Honda, and the squad we'd assembled, you know, as a first-choice squad, because we just, we weren't doing the things we needed to do. We weren't winning the games we are expected to win. We weren't stepping on teams' throats. And I think it all came home to roost last night that the game plan is terribly flawed for who we had on the park. Honda could not have looked more disinterested last night. And, and it's sad that a guy of that calibre can't lift. And I think it's... Uh, Without beating up on Musket, I think it's the game plan. I think our front four are starved of opportunities because they're built up so slow. But when they get the ball, we're so isolated. And Sydney took advantage of it. They they tasted blood in the water, and they just went they went for the jugular. And it was it was so so horrible to watch. And the only thing I can say is it stinks a bit of the end of Merrick's tenure. That the favourites last night got to see 90 minutes. I thought Broxham was average, and I shouldn't say that about Brox. We all love him, but I think if you're going on back three, you need some pace. Tommy Deng should have stayed on, and Elvis Campsaber showed some want and some intent all night. Cross the Barbarossa showed that he's a flat track bully, and we 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 basically with Costa out there last night, the way he displayed his body language and his, his lack of care, unless it was right on his toes, we basically played with 10. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. And like you guys have said and like many people have said online, I think that, um, you know, we wallpapered over some cracks with a lucky win last year and I'll take it against Newcastle. But there's big questions to be answered. And it it actually hurts worse than any other loss. It, it really does. Matt, you've really uh, hit a lot of nails on a lot of heads there. Uh, I th- I think the game plan was flawed last night. I felt the whole team was so narrow. They didn't adjust to the change in personnel. I mean, Buds, you mentioned the importance of Troisi there. I think he's important to that system. Mm. When you're trying to play Cam Sober as a 10 inside, I think something's gone wrong. I mean, you want him burning guys on the outside and also tracking back. You know, we wanted him tracking Ryan Grant, and there was just no one marking the overlapping fullback, something that we drew attention to early in the game. The whole defense, just concertina, you saw if whether it was Tommy Deng, whether it was Storm Rue, you know, basically playing right next to Donaghy when the crosses were coming in. You know, everybody was collapsing. The whole team was collapsing in on itself, and, you know, you just couldn't defend those wide areas. It was unbelievable. And, and you, you go back, sorry, sorry, mate. When you go back to. Um, Graham Arnold's Sydney FC, the one thing that's carried over to Corica's Sydney FC is you know that those guys on the flanks and on the wings are going to tear up and they're two-way runners and they're probably the two best fullbacks in the league and Ryan Grant got some serious real estate last night and that was what anyone would say would happen and we just didn't play for it. Kevin Musk, we went in arrogant 
it was arrogance. Kevin Musket was arrogant. The players were arrogant. It was awful. I, I found it bizarre that we didn't like we, we've had this problem. We didn't just bring it up at the start of this season. At the start of last season as well. Watching Sydney play for those those two seasons and this one, then watching Perth this season with Davidson and and, uh, and Franich as well. It's really weird to me that that we've decided that the the area we're going to skimp on is the fullbacks because the 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 two like premier teams of the last couple of years like yes we won the the championship last year but the two best teams of the last three seasons have been have been set up around quality fullbacks uh d- delivering well and we just have been like oh well, well we'll just end up with with Lee Broxham who is a central defensive midfielder there can, and Jason Deng who's a center back strange job in Matt. Yeah, I was just going to say, um, it, it's interesting what you guys, and, and I kind of feel like you might have bugged our office at work because a lot of the things <laughs> you're saying is what we were talking about this morning. What what really stands out for me now um, as, a, as a victory supporter, it's it's not jealousy at what other teams have got. It's it's more another question about where our direction changed as a club. In 2015, we monstered Sydney in a grand final and we took all before us. We're two quality keepers, which I think we've pretty much got now in Acton and Thomas. But at that stage, we had this plethora of kids that were really putting a rocket up everybody. So when you had Georgievsky and Garia, you had Manane and Galloway. You were pushing them. We had backup in the midfield. We had genuine depth. It might not have been as much quality as other sides like Perth and Sydney right now, but we had this, this genuine fight for position. We were blessed to still have Archie at that time. And... And now we don't have that. And I think that the the scope of our club as a whole has changed dramatically. We're, we're going to the, the Western Sydney and the Newcastle player turnover levels where we're, we're not keeping guys. Like I looked at it last night and I thought we wouldn't be any worse off right now if we had to kept Steph Negro. Mm. That's yep. another option. You know what I mean? And he doesn't command a big wage. He wouldn't be eating a lot of the salary cap. But we've, we've gone away from that. We've built really well leading into 2015 where we took all before us and something changed whether it was more money needed to go to lesser players less amount of players or the whole philosophy of our football side and our club changed and it's just another question and i, I know it sounds salty and sour but no 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 this is this, this is the this is the, talk, the this is the talk back line to feel salty and sour after a loss like this now <laughs> unfortunately uh it was brought up many times this year that Melbourne Victory don't do the big marquee well. They don't do the superstar player well, and it's never been something we've done well. We've done it twice with Harry Kuehl and Keske Honda, and both of those squads have sucked. Um, I think what we've done is um, put a lot into the top end and five really outstanding big-time players at A-League level and let it really thin out with the rest of the squad. And unfortunately, we haven't had the... uh, the injury luck, and it just hasn't fallen our way that we've been able to have all the stars shine at the same time often enough this mm. season. And it's just, it's been unbalanced, and uh, that's football. Mm. No, I agree. I, I think we suffered a little bit from not bringing Akbari along this season more. I'm not saying he should have been on the bench last night because he's barely played. But he should have played more, and you know, Musket has sort of neglected these depth players, these young guys, and trying to, you know, there, there were a lot of games this season where the game was won, and you could have given them twenty minutes off the bench, and all he, the game was lost. All the game was lost, yes. Um, and he kind of refused to do so, and just stuck with his first eleven, and as you say, the top end of the team, and that really, you know, didn't give us any options to change the game when, when it came to that second half, when things go wrong, you've got Leziotis and Valeri sitting on the bench, two holding midfield players, because he's really only planned for for Plan A. You know, mm. Plan B is to to do Plan A better, and that's all symptomatic of that kind of uh, philosophy. Yeah, and you look at Perth; they've got. <clears throat> Popovich has really had Keo on the bench most of the year. Yeah, you he's look, been in and out. Yeah, you look at Sydney's bench they had last night, the Gooch, De Silva, yep. Caceres, Retray. They're, they're players that can give you purpose and direction. We had... I reckon Perth were top before Castro played a game this season. Yeah, yeah. and we have Lessie Otis. Kid's good. I'm glad he's getting game time. Kenny, mm. Valeri, Carl's been hard done by. Carl deserved better, but as we said probably pre Show off air, yeah. Off air that it was probably better that Carl escapes the criticism. And he, he was spared part yeah. of spared. the 
Yeah, I don't and, think he would have made much of a difference to be honest. And, yeah. and Storm Roo, who's probably been serviceable this year. I, I don't, I don't mind Storm Roo. He's he's been okay. Mm. Musket has never trusted him. He doesn't trust yeah. him, and it's like that, that's where like the two signings in Roo and Brown have just been disasters, and probably have been uh, a big factor to us. Probably, well, I don't. I, I mean, surely year. we understood what we were getting when we signed Brown and, and Roo, and Brown has been poor. We probably thought he might uh, like come on a bit, but with Roo. We knew his level, mm. and I don't understand why they went and got him. If Musket, like, this, you could always see this exact season trajectory happening with Rue, couldn't you? That he would be out of the team by the end of the season because Musket, like you said, Josh Musket never trusted him. Why did we have him if Musket didn't trust him? He's fine. He's a, a, as good at this level as a right back, at a, as a being a right, at being a right back as Deng is, mm. as Tommy Deng is. What? Why? Why? <laughs> like, why is he sitting on the on the bench? He's actually meant. to... I don't understand it. Have we discussed? Did I miss a discussion about Musket's future at all? Uh, no, we've we've touched on it, but I, I yeah. think Matt has wanted Sorry, to jump yeah, in. I, I can yeah. see that. I, I was going to say um, the the trust thing there is is very pertinent to this this whole discussion, and you, you've got to look back over the full body of work for for Musket as a manager. When Thomas Deng debuted, I'm pretty sure it was a derby, and in the Fox Sports votes, he got the three votes. He was outstanding. Without injury, or we don't know what happens behind closed doors, but there's no injury involved, he disappeared for seven weeks. The, the things that we as supporters see is only part of it, but we want to know more. And what you say about the trusting, he doesn't trust players. I think it's pretty much every season under Musket, we've had a, I call it that, the Musket month, where we drop results and nothing really changes and then we sort of bumble our way to a win and we're back on track. And in those you know, three, four weeks, we could be blood and guys. We could be saying, you know what, Trace, you're a bit off, have a spell. You know, we'll get this kid in, get that kid in. And it pays off at this time of year because it, whether it's tired legs or blokes aren't fitting in, you get more of an idea. And that, that frustrates me and my old man and all the guys we know more than anything because we've had good kids and we've had to let them go because they're starved of opportunity. And we haven't gone back to that plan that we had in 2015 where we've actually built a squad. And with the cheaper players who don't command a wage, we've managed to build some form of competition and something to work towards in the future. And it does frustrate us. Like I said about last night, I would have copped a 20 nil loss if we had a crack and there were some blokes out there showing something. But it was just, it was really, really hard to take. I think you're right, Matt. It's uh, the tunnel vision and the stubbornness has really, really cost us in the long term. I'll let you go, but thank you for the uh, excellent call. And stay on the line. Our producer will take your details for the competition. Thanks very much, guys. Have a good show. Thanks, mate. Matt from Yarra Glen calling in. Uh, excellent calls, by the way. A lot mm. of angry fans, but able to put some, you know, eloquent words to how they're feeling and some Measured. of the systemic problems mm. that mm. have been going on at Melbourne Victory that maybe the the individual talent has papered over the cracks somewhat this season. And the A-League is kind of a forgiving league. You know, oh, yeah. in, a, in another league in another country, that you know, this wouldn't fly. You can, can't just coast into a mid-table position and then just expect to walk the final series. And I think that mentality carrying over from last season, whereas, you know, we all know what Leroy George said to the, the Dutch press about, you know, Melbourne victory season last time out. And I don't think that, that comment was really, you know, while uh, a little bit uh, too hot for radio, that comment was really uh, taken was seriously. It. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't lost in translation either. Yeah. Look, in other countries, the bus wouldn't have gotten out of the um, out of the ground last night. Mm. The players, yeah. Yeah. the players would have been met at the airport, and there would have been people waiting for them at the club at Amy Park as well, or wherever they went to after that. I think. Um, Last caller, he mentioned the start of the season. It brought me back to a tweet that we got last night from uh, Peter at Nutwalls. Uh, unmitigated disaster of a season for MVFC. And he's put in dot points. Knocked out by an MPL team in the FFA Cup. Finished third by a reasonable margin despite undisputed quality of the squad. Horrendous ACL campaign. Humiliated in the finals by our arch rivals. Like, it's... Uh, Succinct. <laughs> it's summarized really well. And um, there was a, uh, a a good tweet from a uh, Japanese correspondent that, yes, you, indeed. that you met. And that was, uh, uh, e- echoes uh, many things that have been said on this podcast, especially by yourself, Josh, about how we capitalized on Keske Honda. 
I take this guy a little bit more seriously than I do some of our own, you know, hashtag engage with Asia types on Twitter because he's an <laughs> external observer that doesn't have any particular tie to Australian football. You know, he's pushing a particular agenda, but is making an observation, you know, based on his experience. I think he's the, the editor of the sports section of the Japan Times, uh, Dan Olowitz, he's an American. He said, so uh, all Melbourne Victory got out of Keseke, the Keseke Honda experiment was a limp exit from the ACL, an embarrassing ejection from the A-League finals and truckloads of marketing potential wasted because neither the club nor league really put their weight into targeting the Asian market. Say what you want about the shambles that Vissel Kobe's season is turning into, that's the J-League team, but they've done far better in terms of marketing off the back of Iniesta, David Villa and Podolski uh, than Melbourne Victory ever did with with uh, Honda essentially. So, you know, I think he's spot on there and you know, just haven't mas- maximised Kesuke Honda on or off the field this campaign, despite the incredible investment that not only Melbourne Victory, but actually the FFA and, and Fox Sports made in him. Mm. And the amount of business acumen that we supposedly have within the club and on the board. and We see more business acumen from Kesuke Honda on Instagram than we do. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's been really bizarre how they've um, how they've gone about Honda this year. And it's... Uh, Utterly disappointing, and as I said before, I don't, I don't think we know how to deal with superstars. I, I, I don't think we know how to deal with someone of that level of footballer. Unfortunately, there was a bit of suggestion as well. I saw around that the FFA had uh, actually restricted Melbourne Victory's ability to to actually effectively market Kesco. Mm. Um, I haven't. I've only seen tweets. I haven't uh, heard any more. Well, the that. fact that the A-League is not independent and Melbourne Victory don't actually, you know, own their own IP, it's sort of licensed out to them by FFA. I don't really know anything about this stuff, but I am told that that limits the, not only what they can do, but also the reward they would get from, say, selling shirts in Japan or whatever. You know, a lot of that money and a lot of the control actually is uh, going back to FFA rather than Melbourne Victory. So that's one of the main you know, reasons that this whole Congress um, uh, issue has reared its head and continues to be a, a long discussion point in mm. the uh, Australian football circles. But, guys, I think we'll have to go to a break. That's been a half-hour rant of, from us on the mics and from you guys. So keep the calls coming if you want to have your say on, for fuck's sake, double nine, double four, double nine, double nine. We'll come back with, you know, a few more reflections on the game and also a few reflections on an incident that happened with a fan, a Sydney FC fan, you know, uh, who was pretty much persecuted by the stadium security and the police. A familiar story for us. Temple Brewhouse in Brunswick East, home of the award-winning Bicycle Beer. Temple's amazing beers all brewed on site in the amazing Brewhouse in Brunswick East. Their team of experienced and skilled brewers work hard to ensure that you enjoy every mouthful of delicious craft beer. It doesn't get any fresher than this. Your beer was brewed footsteps from where you're enjoying it. The bar, restaurant and function space big enough for 100 people ensures you can enjoy a comfy experience for any occasion. Visit the team at 122 Western Street, Brunswick East, and give them a follow on Insta at Temple Brewing. Thank you, Temple Brewing, for your uh, very, very excellent uh, sponsorship of For Vuck's Sake for this season. Yeah. Shouts to Temple Brewing. Yeah, Beer is always good for me.
<laughs> I'm always happy with Vietnam. Yeah, it certainly helped us get through the game last night. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but uh, the balls of steel votes, we touched on them, but Ola with three, Antonis with two, and Honda with one. Difficult to really, you know, pick out anyone from that rabble, but that means that the, the total, with only one more game, which is a dead rubber ACL match to go, Honda leads on tw- uh, 27 together with Ola Toivonen for the first time, so 27 apiece. Antonis behind on 21, Costa 20, Troisi, on 18, and Lawrence Thomas on 13. There was a lot of filtering with the votes. Hey. A lot. Yeah, I uh, did enjoy the responses, but most of them were, uh, let's say, a protest vote, an invalid ballot. Mm. Yeah. It was, yeah, the equivalent of just drawing a massive dick. <laughs> 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 Which, you know, we expected and, you know, welcomed to yeah, some extent. Exactly. Uh, needed, needed a laugh. <laughs> <laughs> let's get into uh, this Rory Carroll thing. Uh, pretty well-known fan on... Uh, soccer Twitter circles, I think, by all accounts, um, certainly in my dealings with him, limited as they are, a pretty measured and uh, thoughtful guy, not someone who's going to cause trouble with police, uh, not uh, some sort of, you know, uh, no pyro, no party hooligan by any means. Yeah. Uh, the treatment that was dished out to him last night, and I'm sure people have seen it on social media, was just an absolute disgrace. Perhaps just the... The, hopefully it can be a tipping point for, you know, discussions around this, but it's not just the active fans who get hassled by the stadium security and treated differently when they're at a football match. It's the general fans with their families. And this issue arose because, you know, he was trying to take his disabled daughter to the bathrooms, which were immediately under the stand at which he was sitting in. For some reason, this event was ticketed differently or something and they couldn't access that and had to walk halfway around the whole stadium to the other bathrooms and uh, the he got into a massive argument with the the stadium security and several police officers surrounding him, yelling at him, having their hands resting on their guns rather threateningly. Uh, he was ejected along with his family, and then he says, uh, and I believe him, that he was followed by a riot police van all the way to uh, Cogger and McDonald's where they were stopping off for soft drink and ice cream, and the van parked directly behind him in an empty car park and was just basically intimidating him on the way home. New South Wales police have obviously come out with some statement to try and cover their own behinds, which I totally uh, don't believe in. Obviously, the, the cops will look after cops and they will have their own version of events. But I think this uh, the, the hit pieces on TGB have started to come out about trying to discredit this guy. But I think, you know, it's absolute disgrace. And I think the, the football community, but also the wider community is behind Rory Carroll. And, you know, we support him. Yeah. The police said that he was trying to push his way into the place in the stadium that sold full-strength beer and where he's, he could only get mid-strength beer. Uh, I find it a bit fanciful to believe that he was trying to, uh, you know, blag a, a stronger beer because he's there with his disabled kids. Like, he's there with his disabled daughter. And he says he home. wasn't drinking at all. Yeah. Mm. So, it's. I mean, it's not... And if they thought he'd been drinking, why didn't they give him a breath test before they sent him home with his kids? Well, yeah. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, in the end, it'll come down to whether you believe, um, like you know, like you said, Rory, very reasonable. Um, followed him on Twitter for a long time. Mm. I haven't had a lot of dealings with him. I've had some. A lot of people that know yeah. him say he's one of the nicest guys ever. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd say nicest guy on soccer Twitter just about. Yeah, yeah him th- and Guido. This <laughs> this made me more upset than the um, than the result, and I woke up still pretty peeved about it because this is real life. This is stuff that traumatizes kids. This is stuff. This is real life. What happens on the pitch is it's sport. It's a game at the end of the day, and those players have their own real lives. And, you know, this stuff turns people off, and this is why your crowds are down. Um, This isn't the first time that these things have happened, but uh, unfortunately it takes something like this and the uh, that poor, poor... Like, I'm I'm a young father now, and if that ever happened to me, I would leave the game, this league, forever. I would not come back. Yep, 100%. Outdoor time. that is disgraceful. I've had friends that have been treated like this uh, that have never come back. Uh, half your Northern terrorists have never come back. Uh, I've seen people capsicum sprayed right in front of me for no reason. Yeah, really. It's, it's not new. This isn't new. This isn't shedding any new light on the way that stadium and state police uh, act. Uh, the league won't come out and support the fans. The club won't come out and support the fan. The clubs won't come out and support the fans. And it's basically a road to nowhere. And it's just not getting any better. Yep. And it's just a disgrace. And I just can't believe that this happened to this man with his 
daughters at the game. Yeah, well said. That's absolutely spot on. Um, I think the FFA, they've got a louder voice now with guys like Chris Niku and, and uh, Remo uh, Nogarotto. I, mm-hmm. I might probably just butcher his surname. Sorry. No, no. It's... Uh, it, it, the, I think that we'll hear a bit more from them about how they're going to push the police. We haven't previously haven't had radio silence on this kind of issue. I'm sure you guys. And the CEO remember. of Sydney has already come out and Danny Townsend. In yeah. Support. So this, this is good. We're actually getting Carol. some pretty decent administrators in these footballing positions now that engage with fans. Not to city. It's like us with microphones. Well, exactly. You know, so it's not, it's, it's not actually just people us. in positions yeah. of authority. Yeah. People who saying can do this stuff. is wrong and this is not okay. And that's a step in the right direction, but it needs to be followed up with actual action I mean, we saw at the community forums that, you know, FFA didn't really publicise, but I did listen to some of it, and they basically said they've tried to engage with police before but been told, you know, it's not your business how we police our state. I mean, I don't think the conversation can possibly end there. If you're FFA, you need to be publicly showing support. You can't just have, you know, behind-the-scenes behind the scenes conversations because that doesn't put any public pressure on these bodies to actually start doing the right thing and treating fans like human beings. Yep. Mm. Yeah, 100% agree with that. My... My worry now is that um, that that Rory Carroll is going to he's going to be dragged into like um, a fight that's not necessarily his. You know, you know what I mean. There's, mm. there's, there's this there's this broader argument. There's this broader discussion of uh, the way football fans get treated in this in this nation. And f- if he starts, you know, if he's in the center of this uh, this this back and forth between. You know, like the broader media and the and and uh, you know football fans, he's just trying. You know, this is a man who's just looking after his daughter's his disabled daughter who loves football. Like there was a that uh, detail about her being so excited for the game, she's gone and put a Sydney jersey on. You know, first thing when she wakes up because she's you know it's game day and she's so excited about it. I'm just uh, I can foresee this getting ugly, and I'm I'm really saddened by it. Like mm. just just it's a just it's distressing. It's distressing, and I think. At, also, at the end of the day, what's going to come down to is like, who who do you believe here? Like, what do you believe is m- the more likely scenario? Like, a guy has left his disabled daughter to try and get a stronger beer, and then you know, put, like, tried to push through police barricades, or the New South Wales police have been overly heavy-handed with a football fan. What do you think is the more likely scenario? You can draw your own conclusions, but just think about that. Mm. Yeah, mm. spot on. I yeah, I really. Don't need, think this needs any more discussion, to be honest. Other than, you know, we support this guy and believe in what he said because we've had the first-hand experience of it. If you talk to any football fan who's been going to A-League games or, you know, even NSL games for long enough or MPL, you'll they'll have a story about some police officer or security guard overstepping the mark totally being like way too heavy-handed, not using any common sense and es- actually escalating a situation that didn't need to be escalated. If it hasn't happened to you, it's probably happened to someone you know or someone they know. And I've seen so many stories, people are you know posting about their experiences on Twitter. I think that needs to keep happening to show that this is not some sort of isolated incident. Yeah. This is you know maybe the clearest expression of uh, a systemic problem that keeps repeating and repeating. Huge systemic problem, big agendas at play and people want to ruin the game, but really good, um, well done to the people that were around him that filmed it. There were a lot of people that filmed it, uploaded it where they should have uploaded it and supported him and some of the right people with voices in the media picked it up too, like your... Um, uh, I forget his name now. For Rowan Connolly yeah, wrote a good yeah, article. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's worth underlining that uh, all of the stuff we've said is alleged. Yes, this- Point. This is yeah. our opinions and not the opinions of FNR and so forth. This is our, yeah. you know, our read of events based on our own experiences. Yeah. And well, and well no, no one knows what's a hundred percent happened. So yeah, it's all it's all alleged at this stage. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, you can take what we've said hmm. with a grain of salt if you, you wish. However, however you want. Yeah. Finals chat to change topics completely. Uh, the other game was not a disgrace. It was actually a great advertisement for crazy, stupid A-League football that we love. Uh, three all, two all after normal time, three all after extra time. Perth eventually threw you to the grand final after one of the stupidest penalty shootouts I've ever seen. Uh, great areas. It's yeah. great areas. Adelaide are like some like non-giving-up soccer guys, really. <laughs> the, the way they... You know, at two at two nil. So was it a Castro scored a brace? Two nil after twenty nine and seventy four, and that's absolutely that's absolutely Perth. You know, Perth uh, 
areas. That's, that's what they that's do. That's meant yeah. to be game over. Exactly. That's yeah. meant and to be then, game over. Then they scored with what would have been the absolute last kick of normal time. The yeah. absolute last gig of normal off, time. Off the back of going 119 minutes the week before. Yeah, five days before. So many moments in that game. So many mental moments in that game. But the moment of the game for me was Marco Kurs turning around to the Fox Sports camera <laughs> yeah, and yeah. charging him. <laughs> such a screenshot. Yeah. <laughs> like such a screenshot. He oh, was yeah. so mad. It was so good. Yeah. I loved it so much. I don't want him to be lost to this league. I do not want him to be lost to this league. Whether there are people calling for him to come to the victory, I don't know about that. <laughs> Someone's got to pick him up. That guy's quality. I love him. Yeah, he's hilarious. He's so good. He's so mad. You also <laughs> got the brilliant visual of Liam Reddy standing over the penalty. Yeah. How good was that? The way he took that penalty kick was sensational. I've never seen someone take a penalty like that. So good. Yeah. Like a goal kick. Yeah. Just put your foot the opposite way, just through it, and just slice it. Upwards into the roof of the net. It's fantastic. And in his post game interview, where it's like, "Well, I'm a goalkeeper. Can't I take penalties?" <laughs> what are you just... trying to say, yeah. mate? Yeah, yeah. He was so he was so, so fired impressive. up. I reckon he must have been dirty that everyone had stuffed up around him, and he'd had to get him out of the fire because they're trying to softball him some questions for him to have a laugh in the in the post game press, and he was just bristling. Like you could see, you could almost see the smoke coming out of his ears. Yeah. What? What? Yeah, I, I schools. Yeah, I'm, I'm a goalkeeper. So what? It was like, okay, sorry, just, Liam. <laughs> he was just all business, and yeah. I just think he's had his moment, and he's just going to turn a real big Liam Reddy style <laughs> stuff up next week. <laughs> I can just feel it. Uh, Something crazy is going to happen. Yeah. Something crazy always happens when Liam Reddy is involved, mm-hmm. for better or for worse. Usually for our entertainment. Uh, it, it, it sorry, it did get our heart rates up though because we were kind of bang for a uh, Adelaide uh, Adelaide win. Well, so we because at that stage it could have been a victory host. Could have been a, final. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I mean Adelaide. It's pretty funny that they got this far and pushed the premiers all away, given that they haven't extended Marco Kurz's contract. I can mm. kind of understand the reasons that they haven't um, extended it because he is. You know, he's a particular kind of coach. And if you're trying to play a different style of football, then, you know, that's, I think that's a good enough reason. I mean, that team was limited in a lot of ways, but he does have this sort of unending fire in him that you saw with his, you know, tirade at the Fox Sports cameras. It rubs off on the players. And, you know, he's just a crazy man motivator that that can get you a long way in a knockout competition. Man, he, he picks up a trophy. There's two trophies on offer, let's say. Is the FFA Cup or the, the toilet seat? Mm. He's won that, and he's almost pushed the best team at home to a final, and he's not getting his contract renewed. Mm. I reckon it's sus. I, yeah, I, I don't know what's going on there, but if I were an Adelaide fan, I'd be pretty be pretty annoyed about it. I mean, he's done a pretty good job yeah. with limited cattle. Like, yes, they're limited in what they can achieve, but they also are limited what they have to work with. Um, but. Uh, yeah, I, like I, like you said, I hope he's not lost to the league because mm. I just find him like constantly hilarious. Yeah, I thought that about Kenny Lowe too, but I, I don't really miss him too much. So uh. yeah, well, <laughs> he's still on the assistant coaching staff. It was good. With to, the it, was, yeah, it was it was good to see him on the uh, tally. Good, it was good ladder around the, the hotel. Yeah. It's good to see him on the tally. The other he's night. a good bloke. I mean, he'll I, tell him yourself. I, I tell you what, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I would have liked Kenny Lowe to have not been lost to the league, but maybe in some kind of like court jester fashion or something. <laughs> it's like you just give him a two minute spot on the A League hour, and he's just like he, he tells some colourful anecdotes. You're like, thank you, Kenny. See you next week. That's. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, tip your waitresses. He's, he's yeah, fantastic. Yeah, he's to <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do we have anything from Kesuko Honda? I don't think he's put any captions on his Instagram this week. He didn't put any uh, on uh, his little montage last night. So for our audio medium, that makes it a little tough. He had one walking through the streets of Fitzroy the other day where he was uh, proudly parading his... He's been parading his man bag a bit lately. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you see that one you're rolling through? There's nothing. Yeah, no, that's a tough one to. Uh, I mean, he, he's had the good grace to understand you can't really put a, a, a quirky hashtag on the, that result. Yeah. I think that's probably he's, yeah. he's, he's good. He's good bloke status just keeps up and up. Um, yeah, we've had a, that. That was a good one. He's, yeah, yeah, the, the Fitzroy one is excellent. Actually, excellent, he's, nice. he's he's found that um, he's found that car park with all the graph on it. He's given uh, us good quality. Um, it's been a good year from him. Um, but. He's just never the same for us after the injury. Yeah, it's a shame. The magic was lost in uh, many ways. The million-dollar yeah. injury, and for some way he just forgot how to shoot, and we never got that really awesome goal from him. And yeah. uh, I'm upset, but thanks for the memories. Thanks for the Insta updates, and I'm sure wherever you go, you will just be just as awesome. Uh, we'll, there'll be a chapter in his book. 
about us, maybe. Maybe just a side note. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. but no, no to the margins. Yeah. <laughs> he's officially checked out. Um, I wonder if he'll turn up to Vuck Metal Night. Oh, that would be pretty... I, I think that's pretty unlikely. But I, I hope Australia face him in the World Cup qualifiers when he's managing Cambodia. That would be a nice, nice bookend to it. We've got to take another break, but uh, afterwards we will look ahead to our final dead rubber game of the season and also just maybe give some final reflections on where on earth his club is going now. Creative is a Melbourne-based studio that produces simple, clever design solutions done with a high level of care and sophistication. Specialising in brand identity development and redevelopment, campaign art direction, typography, illustration and digital, Royal Parade offers a lot of services you'd expect from a large agency without the large agency price tag. So if you need a new club badge, billboard, corporate logo or bar menus, get in touch and find out how Royal Parade can make it happen. Mention FES for a 10% discount on your first design project. Brand, art, Design thinking. That's royalpde.com. I realize, I've realised that we've totally <laughs> forgotten. I'm, I'm all over the place today. We've totally forgotten now uh, to mention the music theme, buds. Oh, it was losers. Yeah. Losers. 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 So yeah. Losers. I think it'll be apparent if you're listening to the podcast. You will have already heard both songs. So, you know, never mind. Uh, I mean, I also forgot to mention the Vuck Youth. 1 0 loss to Lang Warren. That's not as bad as it sounds because uh, they're coached by Scott Miller now and they've actually got a really good team. Uh, young Lockie, our producer out there, uh, is their match day commentator and media person. And, uh, oh, nice. You know, he told us uh, that Very professional you know, setup. a few of those uh, guys who went over to the ACL, a lot of the guys who started didn't play, so they were, you know, a little bit weakened by that. Uh, but Burkan Kurdar looked really, really good, apparently. The, he's only 16, 17 still, so still a good prospect. We have one more caller on the line. I think it'll be our last phone-in for the show this evening. But Josh from Bayswater is about to join us. Josh? Hey, lads. How Josh. you doing, mate? Hey, Josh. What do you got for us? Yeah, not too good. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, I, I just got a question. I want your opinions on it. Uh, what do you think the starting lineup's going to look like for the ACL game? Are we going to give Honda a last game to run out in front of the home fans, or do you reckon that's it? We're just going to go youth? No, nah, we're surely committed to a Cascade Honda farewell. I think he would want to himself play against the best team in Japan at the moment, or one of the best teams in Japan at the moment. I think he'd still want to... Uh... I don't think he wants to go out like that, surely. No surely, surely we'll get to see him, you know, one last time. Home game as well. Valeri maybe gets a, a retirement run out. Yeah, well, surely Valeri yeah. starts in I, it. I think, think you have to take the, the bad taste out of the mouths of the fans from the semifinal. So I would urge Muskie to play like a fairly strong lineup. Maybe if you put a few of the, the kids in like Akbari for, you know, some good vibes as well. But um, Finish the season on a winning note. Yeah. I think, I think Matty Acton's going to get a start. Oh, yeah, I, I, would, <laughs> I would think so after Lawrence yeah. Thomas's effort in the third minute there. It's just awful. But, you know, I do worry about the attendance for this game. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but, Budsy, you were saying off air, you reckon this might be the lowest VUC attendance of all time? Yep. I can't see how it won't be. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully well, they, they really make a big thing of, yeah, Kasuke Honda's last game to try and get people down because... Yeah, there's not much incentive to watch a dead rubber. I was just going to say, 
if there's one thing that you can bank on them not doing, it's promoting it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd hate to be the guy that has to moderate the Facebook comments. <laughs> they just they just don't. So um, they should really be going all out and doing something with Amy Park to just open the seats up. Just open it up. The whole ground's yeah, GA. Sure. Op- yeah. Open the ground up, get people in, make... Get him in, the, get him in the corporate like, boxes. <laughs> meet the guy that does Cascade Honda's Instagram. Done. <laughs> I'd love to have yeah, him on the podcast. I'd love to have him on the podcast. But uh, I do think that's one of the fun things about going to ACL games. You know, everyone's a little bit more chilled out Relaxed. about the whole thing. You can be, just pretty much sit wherever you like. Mm. No one really kicks up a fuss. It's uh, I'll start contrast to usual, obviously, as we've covered on the show already tonight. But, uh, Josh, thanks for the call. Yeah, no worries, lads. Uh, just one last mm-hmm. thing. We should sign Troisi again because he's been brilliant this season. Yeah, I'm, uh, he's he's been brilliant. Um, yeah, well, I'm going to have to go back and bleep that for the FNR feed, mate. So thanks for that. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no he's, worries, lads. He's been good. I I do wonder whether he's you know worthy of marquee wages or not, um, given that you know Ola is going to be probably marquee next season. Uh, but yeah. yeah. I do think, you know, you need to keep Trawisi, especially with Honda going because the creativity in the midfield is going to take a massive hit with, with his departure. And, and Trawisi, as we saw on the weekend, is probably maybe a little bit more important than I've certainly given credit for. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Cheers that, lads. On your Thanks. Josh calling in from Bayswater. And, uh, guys, you know, just to finish off, I mean, we, we've touched on it this show, the problems that we've seen with Kevin Musket's reign, you know, the good and bad. Some of the football this side has played this season has been incredible. A lot of it has been underwhelming. Do we need a change? Do we need to see a new a new face in the dugout? Or can this be rebuilt? Uh, well, I mean, Kev is – we all know that Kev's a highly ideal, ideological manager. Um, I don't think he's going to uh, come around, come out and really change the way he approaches football as a whole. Uh, just straight up. Um, for me, the more concerning thing isn't that we got beaten or any of that stuff. It's that they they gave up, which mm-hmm. is something I'd have thought you'd never see from a Kevin Musket team because, yes, we know maybe he's not a tactical genius. Um, maybe he's too slow to make changes. Maybe he's stubborn. But one thing that he's never been bad at is getting the boys up for the big ones. And for them to give up in a any game against Sydney, let alone a semi-final against Sydney. Now that's that's that suggests to me that the Kevin Musket message maybe isn't cutting through. So is it a case of getting rid of all the players and getting new ones in, or is it a case of getting rid of, or not getting rid of, but but uh, Kevin Musket leaving and getting uh, a new manager uh, with a new message? I I personally wouldn't mind. I would have if he announced that he was leaving. I wouldn't would not be unhappy with that at all. Yeah, uh, well said. I think that's what we were trying to hold, um, you know, our hopes on this season. We knew going into these finals we weren't the best team, but we were probably the best big game team, the most experienced big game team, and uh, we were of the opinion that no one wanted to face us. Um, Sydney very much did. <laughs> yeah, and, and they got their revenge. Um, unfortunately, um yeah, it hasn't worked. Uh, I'm I'm loath to say we've got to move Kev on, but I just wouldn't mind him moving on purely because I'm bored with him. Um, I don't think he should be sacked. I think he's done too much to be sacked. I think I think he should go and find another job I elsewhere th- and yeah. and like get better at his craft. Melbourne Victory need to get mutual right now. Yeah. It needs to be the best for both parties. I think he's probably... I mean, wouldn't you get sick of the A-League after yeah, a while? Yeah, I, w- I, I would have. If he's like, going to actually go into anything bigger than rather than just managing Melbourne Victory and he's managed your career, and I'm sure he has aspirations, maybe to manage the national team one day. Yeah, and it's like, look, he's probably really, really good, but we play every team bloody five times a year. They figure you out. Mm, yeah. Like, you figure everyone out. Everyone figures each other out. It's like when you go to a proper league where there's 20 teams, you only play each other, you know, once at home and once away, your stuff can work. Yeah. Bella like, Goodman used to say, the famous uh, manager, that the third season was fatal. I mean, if the, th- the third season's fatal, then what is the sixth season? I think, you know, managers have a use-by date. You can't have the same guy in charge forever. Yeah, and, and his backroom staff and trimmers and things like that. It's just got to freshen up. It needs to freshen up. And, yeah, uh, well, he doesn't deserve to be sacked. I, I no. think people calling for him to be sacked, it's, uh, that's a bit, mm, bit much.
Yeah, and he, and he won't get sacked. It's also the reality is that there's no way Melbourne Victory is sacking Kevin no, Musket. You said it perfectly. They need to yeah. get mutual. Mm. All right. Well, I think that'll be uh, FES's last episode for the season. I mean, mm-hmm. we've got one more ACL game to go, but to get a full hour, that would be a stretch. Mm-hmm. Gentlemen, thank you for your company. Thank you for stepping on board this uh, this change in the program's format coming to FNR. It's been uh, certainly a lot of fun for, for me to be involved. I'm sure Rudy will say the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, sad for uh, Dave to miss out today, um, but and sad for Jace as well because he's going back to the country soon. Yeah, maybe we'll, we'll have to do, week. Maybe yeah, yeah. we'll have to do a special edition just for Jace. I think we might in have the to... group chat going, oh, yeah, I'll be back the day the granny is going to be great. Like, no, I think whoops. we might do a uh, – we'll get together and do a player ratings pod and okay. uh, dissect the season. All right, yep. but until then we'll – until then, this is FES signing off. And as always, Mon the Vuck. Mon. A brave man once requested me to answer questions that I